This episode is sponsored by Now Foods, one of the largest and most reputable brands in the natural health industry. Now coming in their 50th year in the natural health business. 50 years. Unbelievable. That's fantastic. Uh, there's one product from Now that I give to pretty much everybody, and that's the Pure MCT Oil. For anyone who's not familiar, MCTs are medium-trained triglycerides, which are fats found naturally in things like coconut and palm kernel oil that are more rapidly, more easily digested than other types of fats. So because these fats are so quickly metabolized by the liver, numerous studies suggest that this, this expedited process encouraged the use of fat for energy rather than for storage, which, as you can imagine, would be a big deal in our culture. Uh, I give MCT oils to everybody. Between our American diets and our overwork schedules, nobody is really getting sufficient levels of proper nutrition to compensate for our busy lifestyles. And, and it tastes like nothing. I know a bunch of people who put it in their morning coffee. Uh, my ex puts it in her booze. Uh, you can add it to soups, juice, your fancy plants, LaCroix water, anything. You can find the now pure MCT oil right in our online store. Just go to our website and go to store. And uh, we'll, in fact, we'll provide a link right on the website, right on this interview page. Um, and while you're there, make sure you sign up for membership. Subscribe to become a member. Just go to the, the support us page. Or if, if you go right to the online store, it's the very first selection in the store. Um, become a member. It's a dollar a month. And that dollar a month, I mean, it's a dollar, a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year. That one keeps us able to keep doing this and keeps Paul and I in, 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 in business and able to keep bringing great guests and, and doing cool things. More importantly, though, is you get discounts on everything in the online store. So $1 gets you discounts on everything. One disc, $1 immediately gets you 10 to 30% off right off the bat. Uh, more, more, even more than that, you'll get access to members-only bonus content, um, invites to special events that are available only to subscribers, only to members, uh, prizes, gifts, raffles. We'll be doing things monthly and uh, we'll be adding each month. We'll be adding more and more features. So make sure you sign up. Uh, it's a great way to support us and support yourself. All the things you hear us talking about, they're right there available for the store. Simple, easy, and you get discounts on everything once you become a member, uh, especially the now MCT oil. So sign up today, get some oils in you. Start tomorrow. Start today. Start tomorrow. Whatever. If you listen closely... You can hear the voices. You can hear them whisper the legacy to you. Go on, lean in. From somewhere deep inside the evergreen forests of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Seattle! <laughs> Everything you know is wrong. Wrong, sir. Wrong. With Jeremy Horn. We're an inhuman monster! I said good day! And with that, let's get to our first guest. Dr. Neil Levine is a board-certified clinical nutritionist with an additional degree in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment. He's been widely published in magazines and newspapers and medical journals, in addition to numerous appearances on television and radio. He's currently serving as the senior education manager and a product formulator for Now Foods, where he can continues his work as an educator and lecturer for organizations worldwide. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Levine also serves or has served on several highly respected instructional boards and associations. Um, he's intensely knowledgeable on a number of subjects. He served on the technical advisory board for the non-GMO project from 2007 to 2009. And that is where I focused our conversation. Uh, my interaction, interactions with the, the general public over the past 10 years include a plethora of opinions with very little true understanding of the basic facts, the most basic facts. And it's, it's very difficult to have a functional 
functional conversation when everybody is dealing with a vastly different set of facts. So this episode is meant to be a very remedial introduction to the basic facts uh, and, quite frankly, prejudices of genetically modified organisms. So enjoy. Well, let's get right into it. Welcome. Um, let's. Th- this is this is kind of interesting to me, is because GMOs is what we're going to be talking about for the most part, and whatever else you feel like, um, is such a politicized topic when it's just fact based. And people, as soon as you mention the subject, people immediately start machine gunning at you with their views. Where it's like, whoa, let's reel it in and just look at the basic facts. So I think it's interesting that most people, I don't think, even have a of of remedial understanding of what GMOs are. They just see it as a political topic being bandied about and, and shoved at them. So I'd love to hear just from the, from the beginning, um, what for someone that would, that has, has only seen it as a news report, never actually done any sort of digging, any sort of legwork and see what those words actually mean. Well, GMOs stand for gen- genetically modified organisms. And basically you genetically engineer, which is a term with a lot of baggage, because according to some scientists, we have genetically engineered our crops throughout the entire history of agriculture. In fact, there's one interesting study. That, that's not a new study. It's decades old. But it, the title is something like, why are so many of our foods cyanogenic? Why, why do they contain cyanide? And they contain cyanide because we have selected throughout the history of agriculture crops that are more pest resistant. Crops that are higher in cyanide are more pest resistant. So the varieties of grains and broccoli and uh, apples, peaches, a, a lot of the foods that we eat are, are fairly high in cyanide. But that doesn't mean they're toxic. We've actually developed along with them to tolerate that. But that's one form of, gen- of genetic engineering. What we're talking about is the stuff that could only be done, done in laboratories. You're taking a basically a capsule of genetic material that's been artificially created or taken from something else, often put into a structure. Uh, a common one would be a uh, virus or uh, another bacteria that, or even an artificial genetic st- framework to add the gene to. And then typically you can use a virus or other techniques to implant that genetic material into a cell. And then you have, say, a genetically modified seed that is resistant to a pesticide or has some other traits. But taking a gene that's not going to be available by crossbreeding, by traditional crossbreeding. Now, there are advantages to the genetic revolution we've had. The genome has been deciphered, and they can now figure out all the genes in a plant. It's now easier to predict what's going to happen when you crossbreed plants Mm. before you crossbreed them than to just do it trial and error and see what happens. Uh, uh, It's predicted that that might actually be more efficient than the genetic splicing. However, genetic splicing is patentable. Right. That's the key. And patents are profits. And since the 1990s, universities have gotten into the game. Professors and their grad students are setting up corporations and patenting the results of their research. Universities are often sharing in that. And the old adage in universities, 
publish or perish, where the university professor had to publish papers and add to their resume in order to uh, get tenure or be respected in their field. Now it's monetize. Monetize your discoveries. Now now it's patent or perish. Yeah, patent or perish. In, In certain fields. Yeah. And just as we've seen in agriculture, where the agriculture extension agents and the universities are being trained by the pharmaceutical companies who are, and the pesticide companies, uh, we're seeing where the biotech companies are taking over a lot of the university research into genetics, plant sciences, crops, and, and, and infiltrated that all. It's a double-edged sword because universities, they need the money. They need money for, for conducting those studies. Like, hey, here, this company showed up and is going to dump a bunch of money on you, too. That's tough. It's hard to get grants. It's brutal. It is, but that but there's a lot of you know money flowing into the biotech industry. It's it's probably larger than the health food industry today mm-hmm, by far. Yeah, and so we're looking at these folks who have the an incentive to, as you say, monetize the agriculture. Uh, so GMOs were just against the advice of the professional advisory boards in the. FDA and the USDA. Uh, it was a political decision to say they're not significantly different from conventional crops. That well, how, are long not ago, how long ago did you see it start to emerge? And that, that happened in 1992 in the closing days of the first Bush administration. Gotcha. There was a Dan Quayle, the vice president, had a commission mm. that decided there was no difference. What's interesting, if you actually look at the, the research, uh, I don't know if your listeners are old enough to remember in 1989 when L-tryptophan, an amino acid, there was a bad batch from a Japanese pharmaceutical company that ended up killing dozens of people and sickening a number of people. And what people don't know, and this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine the next year and in a Canadian journal, that they used a genetically engineered bacteria to ferment and produce the amino acids. So a lot of times, not only probiotics, but amino acids, enzymes, uh, some vitamins are produced by natural fermentation using microorganisms like bacteria. And in some cases, they use genetically modified ones. Well, apparently, there was some mutation over several generations mm. of this bacteria. But they didn't account for it, how they, could they? Yeah, yeah they were not uh, tracking the genetics and making sure it was breeding true. Mm-hmm. It produced a lot more of certain toxin. Uh, I think it was called peak X or something mm-hmm. like that because they, they never really identified it. Um, and the filtration system was not capable of getting rid of it, and it ended up in this one batch from this one company. But it's the first case I know of of a genetically modified GMO mm. organism contributing to people's deaths and mm. illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite all this, the FDA basically gave a broad approval. And in the mid to late 90s, genetically modified crops started creeping in. Mm. Now, we've all been told, and I see this in editorial pages of newspapers, we need genetically modified crops to feed the world. I hear that all the time, and it's <laughs> and in the late, in the most rigorous university studies, there is no advantage to growing GMO crops in terms of crop yield, costs per acre, and other factors that affect farmers. In fact, I've read articles that many farmers are switching from GMO 
to non-GMO. Because better for the soil, better for their 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 land, better for. Well, they can't afford the much higher price seed yeah, that yeah. requires, in about eighty percent of the cases, uh, requires a generous applications of pesticides. Right, you got to keep buying from the the source. Yeah, and you're it's buying, like franchising. It's like a franchise, and like, you're buying the seed and the pesticide right, from, from the same, the same manufacturer. Yep, absolutely. So you know, with that in mind, you have a pretty big conflict of interest. It's, you have a yeah. conflict of interest. We're, we're told that genetically modified crops are more nutritious. Mm-hmm. There is not a single commercially developed crop that is. Golden rice is the poster child mm-hmm. for this theory. Right. It's been under development for over a decade. It's not commercially available. At best, if if they would eat, say, 50 grams of rice a day, eat ounces of rice, eat, you know, bowls of rice, yeah. it, it would give about 50% of the RDA of vitamins who cares yeah we have vitamin angel charity right that distributes vitamin a capsules to children and does the same thing basically for 50 cents a dose that's interesting that that's always bandied about uh it's always told to us that as consumers that gmo foods are going to be more nutritious have more nutritional value but it's when people hear that, uh, and when they don't realize it's the same as remember when they were doing uh, Wonder Bread was like vitamin enriched or enriched with iron. It's not food foreign minerals. They're like enriched with minerals, not food based minerals, chemicals. It's enriched with chemicals, uh, but people equate that with value. You know what I mean? Or you take out dozens of nutrients and you put in a handful of other types of nutrients. Right. The iron in there in the fortified flour is an oxidized form typically that's not too You're good not gonna, for you. Yeah. But uh, we were told in the 1950s that atomic power would be too cheap to meter. Right. You know, so <laughs> yeah. w- w- these promises are not new. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just how they play out. But we've seen to a bottom hook, like hook, line, and sinker again, uh, despite living in an age where information is readily available. It seems that people are still resistant to even discussing it. I thought it was interesting you were talking about how the, the cyanide – over time, I mean, millennia ago, there was probably a wider diaspora of fruits and vegetables that our ancestors ate, you know what I mean, three, four thousand right. years ago. And then, again, the more robust ones and the ones that are more resistant to, 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 um, to pests are going to survive. So what we're eating now is what's left. So that's, like you said, that's just nature creating its own modifications, right? It's right. When, you, when we begin tinkering with the science behind it, it, it's it, we've what people I don't think realize is that we've taken a leap from these things basically essentially evolving over time, growing and changing to now you've taken an apple and then uh, altered it into an apple flavored pop tart and be like here's this food that's not food an apple and apple flavored pop tart are not the same thing and yet right. I don't think people seem to see that that correlation. Yeah, and uh, I mean if it's a gradual thing that's happening over generations, we can evolve with it. And we can develop the enzymes yeah, and, you know. and and not only that but. Uh, if we eat it, we're not getting sick. You know, for example, what is the antidote for cyanide? It's cobalamin, vitamin B12. That's what you use. So it can to methylate to then clear it out. And so, yeah, having uh, B12 in your diet is is a correction for that. Yeah. You know, so we evolved to have more foods with B12 mm-hmm. to compensate, possibly. You know, right. it, it might it was completely unconscious, but. Our bodies knew we were healthier if we eat these things versus not eating these things. Right. The, the, you mentioned the golden rice. That's, again, something that's been promised to us for years. I've never seen it hit the marketplace. It's not on the market. It's, not it's still under right? development. They, they can't produce it to the point where it's going to make sense yeah. in terms of how much somebody has to eat a day. Right. And giving them enough vitamin A that they're going to get 100% of the RDA. They, they can't even get close. Ugh. 
can't even get close. Right. And there's unintended consequences from genetic tinkering. And we've seen this in many published reports. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about peer-reviewed studies in, in scientific journals. Where usually? Do you, do you notice, like, Europe or Asia or, or who tends to be more interested in these? There have been studies all over the world. So, right? okay. The United States, too. Okay, okay. So, for example, uh, even if you're looking at companies like Monsanto, that's one of the major producers of GMOs, they have supplied data in patent applications and in uh, published studies that actually show in some cases – changes unintended changes in nutritional values mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in gmo crops versus conventional crops yeah. and i've got a whole powerpoint presentation referenced with the uh, scientific studies showing an, a large number of these kind of anomalies for example they're trying to get more vitamin a in a crop and the vitamin e content goes down yeah they try to make a cotton crop that was resistant to a, a pesticide and there were changes in the proteins, the fats, and the other nutritional values of that crop. Uh, genetically modified soybeans, according to the Monsanto's data, uh, had about seven times as much of the anti-nutrients as regular soybeans. And normally cooking gets rid of those anti-nutrients, they makes them manageable. They seem to be heat resistant Good to the Lord. GMO. Yeah. Nature's self-correcting. It's smarter than we are. Like you're saying, like the, uh, I don't think people uh, understand how in, how insidious it is because it seems like broad concepts. What we're talking about right now seems like broad concepts, but uh, it's well publicized and nobody. That's the scary part. We like to believe in these uh, uh, shadowy government things, and no, it's right in front of you. There's 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 no conspiracy. Everyone's lived, laid out all the facts for you, and you still made that decision. Um, McDonald's made an association a little while was it was it with Clorox, right? To instill Clorox bleach into burgers to prevent E. coli. So people immediately went, great, wonderful. Thank you, McDonald's, for protecting us from the dangers of E. coli, as opposed to going, why are you giving us bleach? Stop feeding me bleach. People had the exact opposite reaction. Whereas instead of, you know, uh, people that I tend to talk to were like, oh, yeah, the second I heard that, we don't like giving our kids fast food anyway, but we were done with McDonald's. Unfortunately, nine out of 10 people are going the opposite. They're like, hey, McDonald's using science to improve our lives, but you're eating bleach. They're feeding you bleach. How is that okay, right? And why is there E. coli in the products? To begin with, yeah, exactly. This shouldn't be a problem in the first place, like mad cow disease. Stop feeding cows to other cows. That's not how nature does it. This problem shouldn't exist. Absolutely nonsense. Yeah. Well, you have a study that I always thought was fantastic that uh, I, I reference people all the time was the zoo. I think it was in Denmark that uh, um, yeah. that chose to use or, or basically wanted to find out for themselves the benefits or value of using it. So not for, to, for any political gain. They just want to see measure apples to apples themselves. Well, it wasn't really a study. It was just at the Copenhagen Zoo. They noticed that when they fed bananas to the chimps that they would – eat them peel and all if they were organic and they would peel them and eat only the insides if they were non-organic and they had no way of knowing there were no no stickers or anything you know they're not going to put stickers on them if they're giving them to the animals so you know it's it's, they simply noticed that there's a difference they did the animals detected a difference they know yeah what i've i've People that 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 you know that I'll engage with because I don't like to argue. I just want to engage. I'm just go like, let's just go over some facts. I've 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 kind of explained that to them because and and people always say, well, if that's true, which it is, right? If that's true, why aren't they funding more studies like that? And like I like you just said, it's not a study for one. It was a zoo simply trying to figure out what you know. I mean, maybe we can cut some costs or maybe try this. It, there was no intent. There was no ultimate gain. Secondly, who's going to fund that? 
Do you see you know what I'm saying? So nobody looks at the money trail where how much right. money is dumped into getting certain information out, whereas something when certain other things come out, there's no gain. So that's just the information, whether you take it or leave it how you want it. Even in Washington State, when we had um, uh, the uh, um, uh, the GMO labeling, um, it, it was clear who pure politics, where the money was coming from and the, and the money coming in to, 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 to restrict GMO uh, labels right. was astronomical. And you saw who the big players were and is, it's crushing. <laughs> it's crushing is because it's like, um, it's like getting sued by Viacom. Well, they're, they're going to get 30 lawyers against your one. You're just not going to win. So it was right. amazing that enough people were, um, uh, aware enough to block that legislature. And that kind of made these companies realize, I don't know how much money we want to keep dumping into falling. This is not the sword we want to fall on, which was a huge victory. But I think it's a, it's a hard fought one that people don't realize we barely eked out. You know what I mean? And the next time that happens, we have to be more cognizant. It's nice if the more people know about GMOs, the more skeptical. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. You know, if, if, if Mercedes has made cars the same way for generations, suddenly they decide to switch to three wheels. You're like, mm, explain why. What's your reasoning? Why, why are you selling us a three-wheeled car? So I really, any way we, to get people to... Um, uh, 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 Ask those types of questions. What would what would you think would be good for just the average person, or average consumer that might be overwhelmed? What are some things that they could look at or just try to be aware of? Well, I, I thought it was kind of stupid of the biotech industry in the first place to come out with these self-serving products mm-hmm. that predominantly require the use of more pesticides. Ugh. Because and the pesticides you know, are, are undergoing more scrutiny now than they have in the last 20 years because their use has skyrocketed yeah. with the GMOs because a lot 80% of the crops being grown require a lot of applications of pesticides to them. So suddenly now that it's cost value, so money talks. And, and, the, and it's a patented seed that costs yeah. more money. Yep. But if they had come out first with something that was more nutritious, mm-hmm. with something that required less water, yeah, and, or was somehow better for the environment, that their PR would have been a whole lot easier than yeah. trying to pretend yeah. that they have these things, yeah. which they don't. But American public doesn't like being lied to. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. When we see a celebrity or something like that, that, they go, if they admit to what they did, the American public is very forgiving. But if you start off with a lie and then dig deeper in the lie, that's when, <laughs> that's when people start to feel cheated. Yeah, but imagine <laughs> if they had started labeling in the 1990s oh, GMOs man. With this requires less pesticides. This requires less yeah. water. This is better for the environment. This contains more nutrients. They would have locked in. They would have locked and, it in. And everyone would say this is a great thing. Right. Instead, they came out with these self-serving products. Right. Right. And people can tell when they're getting marketed to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, hi, I'm Jeff, and you should buy Jeff's brand of blah blah blah. It's like, all right, Jeff, we know who gains here. It's obviously right. you, right? It's a. Uh, um, uh, the, it, it's almost like we all forget the we, we forget the past immediately. So my generation, even with GMO, when I have these conversations and people say, I go, but what about these 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 pesticide resistant crops? Where now these mosquitoes and all these bugs are now super bugs. We're creating super bugs, right? And and nobody's right. denying that, right? How how is that not a problem? Uh, and it's just like DDT in my generation. We, we have a we have a template. It's already happened. We screwed it up. Why are we still making new versions of DDT? That's what blows my mind, how everyone's just so readily okay with new, different versions of DDT, just because it's not simply called that. It's called Well, well they're, they're actually saying we should come back with DDT I heard because, that. So out of control. because it helps control malaria. Yeah. And malaria is a bigger killer than yeah. DDT. Yeah. So, you're pick, again, you're picking the picking lesser your, of two evils. Right, right. I mean, you're right. The 
there's a short-term benefit to a lot of this genetic mm -hmm. modification. Uh, something's going to be pesticide resistant. That means it's going to be pesticide resistant for maybe five, ten years and start losing it because of the resistance crops. Mm -hmm. The uh, selection of, of genetic traits, uh, whatever who's going to be resistant and lives is going to pass that on right. to their offspring. Right. So, I mean, this is well-known natural selection mm -hmm. that's, that's been shown time and time again. Uh, we know it's a short-term solution. They're polluting the world right. with both genetically modified things that are getting out and, and spreading. And with the resistance to, the, to where now pesticides don't work, mm -hmm. even natural things, some, yeah. they bred a pesticide in some of the crops where it, it has a uh, – a protein that's normally made by uh, an organism that infects caterpillars yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and kills the caterpillars. Well, now that protein is in the crops. Yikes. So we're eating it. Yeah. They found that protein in the bloodstream of pregnant women and their fetuses. Oh, boy. And nobody has a clue what, what sort of effects it do. is. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. ever studied that. Never. Uh oh. It'll be, it'll be, it's just like Agent Orange or anything like that, where a generation later they're like, whoops. <laughs> Looks like we never should have administered this, and we're the guinea pig generation, unfortunately. Right. Currently, Arthur Arthalidomide, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, exactly. Most people here don't. Really, the English people know well, very well about the lidomide, but it never got here, did it? We just know the cautionary tale, right? Well, I know. I went to high school with somebody who who had a, a defect in his legs, okay, in his bones. That he attributed to thalidomide. Yeah, I don't okay. know if he, he grew up in England and gotcha. moved to the United States. Gotcha. And I think it was enough enough of a trend had shown in England. I think by the time it got here, they probably got it off the market quicker than you know than they than they had there. And he had one leg longer than the other, and he had to have an operation to Measure, cut to, it down. Yeah. And they they were breaking saws on his bone. It was so strong. Holy, it was so oh, because it had adjusted. Normal. Yeah, it had adjusted for his lifetime of yeah. Of, well, not just that, but it was it was some side effect of the drug. Oh, from uh, I got you from the way that the body had built up. That yeah. I see, I see. Interesting. What about because uh, you see so many things that I'm sure are shocking and alarming. Are there certain things that you've seen that even for you, you're like, woof, that's a new one for me. In terms of GMOs, yeah, or in general. I mean, the science in general is always changing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there, there's so much mythology out there. We, mm -hmm. we get calls every day about other issues. Um, one of them are the stearates mm -hmm. in, in supplements that are used as uh, lubricants, right. vegetable waxes. Mm -hmm. And people are saying stearic acid or magnesium stearate are toxic and they affect the immune system mm -hmm. and things like that. And I've traced it back to a 1990s test tube study mm -hmm. that's been misappropriated by – uh, a certain vitamin company I shall not name today that is, started advertising, we don't use this, look what it does. Yeah. But a test tube study doesn't prove anything. Mm -hmm. A test tube doesn't have a liver, Yeah. for yeah. example, unless yep. you throw a liver in there. <laughs> but it's still not going to work the same way as eating something internally. Uh, when stearic acid is in every fat on earth, it's 30% of the, the fat in beef, Mm -hmm. It's 30% of the fat in cocoa butter. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. in fish oil. Yeah. You know, it's in all the fat. poisonous. Coconut. Yeah, exactly. Poisonous things to liver like coconut. <laughs> you know, and like, we're eating 9 or 10 grams a day in our diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're worried about thousands exactly. of grams yeah. in a supplement. It's unfortunate how just one – that's exactly the whole purpose of what we're doing and why yeah. we're talking today is one tiny – 
pointless piece of misinformation just grows exponentially until it becomes fact, which is has devastating consequences. It it, it affects every. The uh, there's a famous one is um, uh, the Great Wall of China. China is visible from space. Right. No, it's not. Not a single astronaut has ever said that, right? And I was, I was just kind of curious because I heard, uh, I don't know if it was John Glenn or Buzz Aldrin, whoever's still alive. I think it was Buzz Aldrin, basically being like, well, there's, there's like, what, seven, 12 of us that have been, you know what I mean, out there, and we talk. And none of us has ever seen the Great Wall of China. Where did this come from? Where did this go? I was like, that's a good question. Where did it come from? And uh, I did a little digging. Some uh, 1930s uh, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not said it, you know what I mean? And at a time where you couldn't instantly vet information through the internet or anything like that, and people were like, huh, it's fascinating. Ripley's was a big deal. I remember being a kid and reading those things and looking at it. Oh, look how tall that guy is. Look at those crazy right. fingernails, right? So it sticks with you and it locks in. To this day, if you and I went out and asked 100 people, 99 would be like, yeah, of course, great. Well, China's visible space. Absolutely not. Not true. That's a silly one. But yeah, it's not wide enough that you'd see it very far. Yeah, you barely see the Great yeah. Barrier Reef, <laughs> let alone the, you know, uh, right. what's left of it. Uh, but that's like the, 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 the I'm curious. Are there other mythologies? Because I think uh, that's what gets hyper-focused on from uh, GMO uh, uh, manufacturers' perspectives is there is a lot of misinformation on, on, on the opposite end as well. You know what I mean? So it's, there's some diligency on asking the right questions and not propagating those types of myths because then it, it furthers that point. It furthers the point that you're actually trying to disprove. Well, I mean, another myth is that organic foods are not more nutritious yeah. or different from conventional foods. And they've done a lot, uh, many dozens of studies I've seen with what they call matched pairs. And with that, you grow the same variety on adjoining plots. And one of the plots is treated organically, and the other one is treated with conventional farming. Not, not GMO, but normal pesticides and fertilizers and things like that. And you look for differences. So uh, they've not only found differences in yield that favors the organics, and the USDA and the Rodale Institute and a couple of universities, I think it was Cornell and uh, uh, University of Maryland or one of those kind of schools, uh, have done a study for over 20 years of, of conventional versus organic. 20 years. So it's a long Way, term. Yeah. And after the first four years, the organic is superior in yield, in carbon sequestration. They say if the entire country went organic, we wouldn't have a carbon oh my problem go- in oh terms my goodness. of yeah, yeah. global warming, right. climate yeah. change, that kind of thing. Why are we trucking stuff in from yeah. God knows where? Yeah. We would actually be putting that carbon in the soil where it belongs. Yeah. That's incredible. So that, that, that's actually a big issue. Yeah. Um, the amount of water needed is less on the organics because yeah. the organic matter in the soil, the carbon-based matter, holds more moisture. Yeah. So it, it lasts – you get much higher yields during drought years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in general, the size of the, the yield per acre was higher in the organics. The cost for the seed was less. Yeah. There was virtually no cost for the fertilizers and pesticides and things. It was a much better deal for the farmers. And I think that's what that's what people, I mean, I remember like uh, DuPont and GE, just horrible, horrible uh, records in, in, in polluting the environment, right? Until this, and, and always spent millions of dollars on studies to try to disprove the value of sustainable 
everything, anything, you know, any, anything involved in, 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 in limiting pollution and things like that, because they have an interest until they found out uh, how going, how, how much cost saving there was in going green. And right. now suddenly GE is the world's leader in going green. And now DuPont's running studies on like, we do so much to keep the environment green. Really? You know, not until you found it was profitable and had a benefit. And so I think that's kind of the, the, the problem is people, people like to lock in, like you said, that myth, they like to lock in the idea that it's just marketing. You're just paying more for blah, blah, blah. And I, uh, it's because so little, what is it? Like one to 2% is really all organic farming in the country, in the country. It's small. small. So it's, if, if more farms adopted that, the price comes down, there's pure economics. And then suddenly that, that, um, argument suddenly eliminates itself. Right. Um, so it's amazing to me how people lock that in, even if you show them 20 years worth of data, right? It's, it's, it's the fact that what you just laid out is organic farming, uh, um, wins so overwhelmingly in every category. It's like, you, not a single category, you know what I mean? That's what usually gets people to change their minds. Like, well, okay, if it was one or two, I can understand. I might have to change my decision makings if it's winning that much. Because I tell them, if you buy a $1 uh, apple and then a $2 apple, and this $2 apple has 15 times the nutrients, where's your value? You didn't save a buck. You lost 15. You lost 14. You know what I mean? Right. Is equating that. I don't think people equate the value that way. And, and looking back long-term at the studies, the organics, they used to look at the vitamins and minerals only. Mm-hmm. About 15 years ago, they really started looking at the polyphenols mm-hmm. and the other compounds in the plants. And they found they were much, much higher in the organics than the non-organics. But also looking at vitamins and minerals, uh, they're finding that uh, as well, that there's a significant difference in most of the studies of, as I mentioned, matched pairs where they're growing the same variety and the same soil but treating the soil and the crop differently mm-hmm. with organic or non-organic treatments. Mm-hmm. And there's also issues like uh, animals that eat that graze right. versus eating grains. Yeah. And there's different nutrients in the grasses they eat. That their bodies are more adept it's at not, processing. They're not eating a lawn. They're eating grasses. Right. You know? <laughs> it's, it's not a lawn. Uh, but – the government's not allowing them to talk about their significant differences in things like CLA and GLA and vitamin E and and uh, a lot of the fat-soluble nutrients in the organic milk, for example, mm-hmm. than in non-organic milk. Mm-hmm. And you know, even in England and other countries, they uh, they say you can't make a claim for these things on your milk because normal milk doesn't have it. So saying you have more of it is kind of irrelevant because right. this is not something we expect to find in milk right. anymore. Right. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, speaking about historic things, people assume their food labels are accurate. Right. And a lot of food labels are based on USDA food tables, the Department of Agriculture, that were started to be built around 1940. Yeah. And I don't think you can find a crop where they're using the same seeds. Yeah. The soil is the same as it was. Yeah. They're not using the uh, changes of fertilizers or pesticides or harvesting techniques, ripening techniques, storage techniques. Yeah. It's a completely different crop. So yeah. when they actually start testing some of these things uh, almost 20 years ago uh, at UC Davis and, and schools like that, uh, University of Texas, they, they started finding there's huge differences 
And that, for example, the amount of calcium you got from a carrot in 1940, mm-hmm. you now have to eat four carrots to get that much calcium. Yeah. yeah, blows my mind. And that's been repeated. I mean, I saw U.S. News World Report. I saw Newsweek did a thing. I, every time I see that, just because I see things from our perspective, right. and I ask other people, I go, have you seen those things where, where, where our grandparents eat one piece of broccoli? We have to eat four to five times the amount of broccoli to get the same. And who eats enough broccoli anyway? You know what I mean? Now you have to eat five times more. People are like, yeah, I have been seeing that. I'm like, doesn't that shock you? Doesn't that alarm you? But it's it's almost like epidemic used to mean freak out. Everybody f- freaked the hell out, right? Yeah. Now there's so many ec- epidemics are so common that people are just kind of like, huh, another epidemic. I'm like, no, epidemic means this is horrifying. You know, uh, no matter how good we try to be, four to five times that's insurmountable almost. Yeah, and and even looking at things like cheese or mm-hmm. milk, and you're seeing the amount of iron in that milk is declined by up to 90% in some products? 90%, yeah. Just because the uh, industrial revolution is we don't do any crop rotating, we just don't... Because they're eating grains instead of greens. Yeah. Greens contain iron. Mm -hmm. And also, um, uh, human beings are designed to eat from the seasons, you know, where we're going into like root vegetable season. Now, um, we've all become like Roman emperors. I want, I want, uh, strawberries right now. Like, well, it's the middle of winter. Well, get them from Ecuador full of chemicals. Okay. Right. Um, uh, the profitability of just growing that one crop over and over and over, over 30, 40 deck over, you know, 30, 40 years, suddenly, like you said, depletes things 90%. Where do we, how do we change it? Where does, where does we go? Well, I mean, there's a local VOR movement where people are trying to buy more local. And I know in uh, certainly the Seattle region, Portland, there, there's many cities where that's a big issue. Yeah. And people are proud of their local things, their their local wines, their local cheeses, mm-hmm. their local apples, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, and, but again, if, if your local soil is say low in selenium mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's what you're getting then you're not going to get enough selenium right right that, that's the reason why dietary supplements come in you mm-hmm. know people say it's yeah it's expensive urine well it's actually insurance right that covers the gaps because the dilution effect mm-hmm. where our foods don't contain the nutrients that they purport to claim mm-hmm. because usda food tables aren't accurate right and so labels aren't accurate right means that well it means two things it means one you're not necessarily getting as much as you think at all and two when there's government surveys the nhanes survey that the government does every few years and they do surveys of the population and estimate how much of the rda or they call it daily value now it is of nutrients that people are getting mm-hmm. They're basing that on the food tables the original that tables. are inaccurate. Yeah, that have never been updated, never been changed. They're still showing that up to 90% of the population is deficient in nutrients like magnesium or 60% are deficient in vitamin D. 60%. The numbers are nuts. Yet, I know, but yet that's an overestimation based on the food containing what, what it, it says, says it does. it's supposed to, yeah, yeah. So it's even worse than we think. Than we even think, yeah. Whenever I give people – I think most people aren't even clear on what the uh, USRDA is, is that whenever whenever I give people multiple that are not super familiar with our industry and over 20 years of doing this, I've, I've watched this, you know, multiple times, thousands of times, uh, where they go, oh, geez, this has got 2,000 times the USRDA. Because in our brain, yeah. 100% is the top, is the most. And I explain to them, the 100% 
is the amount that we've determined is enough to avoid you getting a deficiency to cause a disease. In other words, that's the bare minimum. You see 100% think the top, it's the floor. Uh, what is it, 60 milligrams of vitamin C is what, what we found in the 19, late 39, 40, uh, yeah. is, what it, it was what, what the body, uh, is the threshold before the body develops scurvy. Who's the last person got scurvy in this country? It's been 300 years since someone's got scurvy, you know? Well. I know, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm being general. No, <laughs> no but uh, actually heart disease uh-huh. is considered to be uh, Almost scurvy. That yeah, people have have a acute, a, a, but it's not. They're close to scurvy. exactly, but it's not enough to really die. Yeah, diagnosis. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why are why are the arteries falling apart? Right, right. Why is the collagen falling apart? Yeah, and it's often a lack of vitamin C. And the way we know this, in animal models, they take animals that don't make their own vitamin C, like guinea pigs or mm-hmm. or certain other animals. There's only about 20 species of animals that don't make their own yeah. vitamin C. Higher primates and humans, mm-hmm. uh, fruit-eating bats, mm-hmm. and guinea pigs are basically the list. You know, there might be one or two others, but that, that's about it. Um, if they take those animals and deprive them in the diet of vitamin C, they get heart disease. Their yeah. arteries start falling apart. They get plaque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't normally get plaque. Yeah. If you take an animal that does make vitamin C and you damage their liver so they can't or breed them where they can't, so you could block an enzyme, Yeah, then they get plaque and heart disease too. So you can actually develop plaque and heart disease in animals and models by depriving them of vitamin C. In, in a variety of species, so we know and that's, that's just likely one. what's happening in humans. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just one. That's yeah. just one deficiency. Yeah. And that's what scurvy is. The blood yeah. vessel's falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, this is just a... Scary breakdown. Yeah. A, a very minor case. Yeah. Uh, again, and going to your point directly about the high multiples of the RDA or daily value, because you see daily value on, mm-hmm. on labels. And there's a disconnect between RDA and daily value. Right. Because RDA is set by the Institute of Medicine. Mm-hmm. The daily value is set by the FDA. Yeah. And for example, in 2010, the vitamin D levels were raised, uh, the RDA from 400 to 600. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the FDA never published an update in the Federal Register that would allow that would change the daily value. So we still have 400 as the daily value on supplements, even though even the RDA though is know. 600. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> well, what is so someone that if this is there's going to be so many people that th- all of this information is brand new to, you know what right. I mean? That this is this and it is a lot to take in. It is. It can be overwhelming. Um, if there was one thing that you could kind of exp- explain or reach out to that group just to kind of uh, give peace of mind or just uh, give more control, I guess, put more control back in their hands. What do you think? What would it be? What would be able to tell? Well, uh, the information is out there that. that I mean, for example, each nutrient has what's called an upper limit, which is a, a safe level. And if you look at something like, let's say, vitamin B12, the RDA is six micrograms, six millionth of a gram a day. Uh, the, there is no upper, upper limit. There is no toxicity to this. The, the other thing is, why is there no upper limit? Because you only absorb about 1% of the oral B12 that you get. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see these 2,000 times the daily value type numbers on labels because Body's you take 10,000, you're only going to absorb about 100 of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you take 1,000 micrograms, you're only going to absorb about 10. And the RDA is 6. That's and, a great and point. And it's not toxic. So. It's a great point. I think people have that perception because we equate everything with drugs. 
in this culture. So we see B12, which as you and I know, is just could not be a more important or vital basic nutrient. And people immediately start asking, what are the side effects? Because we've been conditioned to believe that all there's... With something I saw a little while ago, the, the, the EU or the World Institute of Health said that um, 70%, 75% of the world's drugs are consumed by the U.S., we Which consume is a, the vast majority of vast the world's majority. drugs, and we're what five percent of the world's the population? world population. Yeah, and we're the ones with all the rampant disorders. You know what I mean? It's it's at a certain point, people have to kind of connect the dots on their own and say, we consume more calcium than any other country on the planet, and yet we have the highest levels of osteoporosis. There's obviously there's obviously uh, uh, something missing in those extra questions. So yeah, and and it's it's such a top down regulation in this country. For example, um, there's an a dispute going on now over drugs because people who have been diagnosed with fatal conditions, who have six months or a year to live, they're being prohibited from trying experimental drugs that have already passed safety reviews but have not proved to be effective for their condition. Hmm. And they're not allowed to access those experimental drugs. Because the drug has already been passed those safety recognitions for one particular condition and not no, another? No, it, it's passed general Every. safety okay. review. But they haven't proved that it's going to be effective for any condition yet or certain conditions yet. And because of that, they're prohibiting these patients from getting access, asking the researchers or the drug companies who make that, sell this to me. I have a fatal illness. I have nothing to lose. You know, it's not going to kill me. The safety's already been shown. Right. Why can't I try it and see if it helps me, even though you're going to wait for these multi-year clinical trials to approve it? I'll be dead. Yeah. Are they afraid of the liability? Is that the... It's the federal government. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Shadowy. Yeah. Outstanding. I'm sure the drug companies would be happy to sell it to them if they had some liability protection. Right, right, right. And if the government would allow them to. But the government right now is prohibiting that. And it's becoming an issue in, in Congress now. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a fairly new trend, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I know there's a, f- a few drug um, manufacturers in Seattle that have kind of folded up for that exact reason. It was like, we couldn't get it to market. We had all everything. We passed phase three trials, blah, blah, blah. And then one government agency with one bizarre, archaic, <laughs> you know, rule locked everything and we locked up the doors and everyone lost their jobs. Yeah. Well, if you assume that the FDA's budget is about 60% supplied by user fees yeah. rather than taxpayer dollars, yeah. they have every incentive to jack you around and get more and more fees and, and submissions. and Every incentive. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they? Yeah. People always say, like, well, how come certain the, uh, FDA doesn't do a better job? Because their perception of, of getting from a taxpayer um, – uh, taxpayer money going into a regulatory industry. I'm like, no, that's 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 not what it is. That's not what's going on. They they can barely keep track of how many rats they're putting in our pop tarts. They can't. <laughs> their their interests yeah. lie elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, another myth is that the dietary supplement industry is unregulated. Right, right. That's and, a huge one. Yeah. And you know, speaking as somebody who works for a dietary supplement company, that that's really false. We it's, are regulated by the local and the state health departments. We're regulated by the FDA. They come and audit us every couple years. Uh, They require us to follow good manufacturing practices. Uh, The Food Safety Act and the Bioterrorism Acts require us to be uh, registered. We have to register every year or two, depending on the class of company, with the FDA so they know where these companies are. They have recall authority under the Food Safety Act. The DEA is regulating us because we have empty capsules and capsule making machines and things that could be used to produce drugs. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearm uh, 
regulates us because we buy organic alcohol to make extracts and things like that and products. Massively regulated. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, the IRS and all yeah. these other, you know, there's an alpha, There's probably 12 agencies that are regulating us in different ways. The FTC does it in a big yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, The yep. uh, Federal Trade uh-huh. Commission. For claims and, For yeah. claims yep. and advertising. Yeah. But you're right. That's a huge misperception. People always, always say, well, this is completely unregulated. Like, so I was like, no, it's highly, highly regulated. I used to import a lot of products from uh, Asia, from a couple yeah. companies. And it's it's mindless working with customs. And this is pre-9-11, right? Is they would they would take us, uh, uh, our, 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 you know, a dozen boxes and um, keep them in the warehouse for like two months. I'm like, I get I got to sell these to customers that are waiting, right. but you can't rush the government. They're going to do whatever they want. And so they, they, I go, what part of, the, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm trying to be helpful so I can get the products out. But I'm like, I'm just curious, why would you stop my order? Do you, did you did something flag? Is there something I should be aware of? I was trying to be proactive, right? And they're like, no, nope, we just wanted to check it out. I'm like, well, then why is it taking a month? Again, I'm just going like, I'm willing to help you out. I'll show you any p- paperwork you want. And they just arbitrarily, they're just like, yeah, we'll get to it. They could care less. And then at the end of all that, I finally get it out. I get all the products out to the customers that are waiting, I'm like finally. And then I get a bill from them for the, for the warehousing fees for the last month and a half. I'm like, who asked you to keep it for a month and a half? And there's absolutely nothing you can do. You know what I mean? And that's just like a microcosm of that level of... That's like a towing company charging you sure. for holding your car. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Yep. Well, this has been informative. I'm uh, Jeff Fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. Great conversation. Great conversation. Always good talking with you. And uh, we'll put up on the website. Um, if, if, there's, if people have anything they want to add to the conversation, um, we'd love to hear. If there's, if, there's, if there's errors we missed or things that you thought um, might be good to hear from you next time. He's a smart guy. And he's got tons of information. So it's been a blast. Thank you for having me or having you. How about that? A pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We want to thank our sponsor, Now Foods. You've heard me on other interviews talk about minerals and aminos and enzymes and all the various other basic components that comprise us as human beings. Uh, If you've ever taken a digestive enzyme before, Barbecue season is coming fast, and now is as good a time as any to start if you haven't. Uh, just go to our online store, grab the Now Super Enzyme to get yourself covered for the summer. And remember to sign up and become a member. It's only, as I talked about earlier, it's only a dollar a month. You get discounts to everything in the online store, like the Now Super Enzymes and the MCT oil, plus all the members-only bonus content and special events. Um, it's, 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 I cannot express to you enough how many exciting things we have coming in the future. And it's a, it's a wonderful way to get involved and uh, keep us in the loop. So get into it, enjoy the summer, and take care Take care of your health. Take care of yourself. Lean into it. Thanks. Hope you have a great one, and uh, we'll get you another great episode next week. Peace. know is wrong should be listened to for entertainment purposes only. Although some guests on the show are medical doctors, most are not, and the host is barely even a person. Nothing you hear on this podcast or read on our website should be considered medical advice. Consult your doctor and use common sense before doing anything you might think have a lasting effect on your body, mind, and spirit.